0: Money FM 89.3. Best of drive time.
1: Under the radar.
0: You're listening to Money FM 89.3, and it's now time for Under the Radar with me, Chua Tian Specialty foam, film, and elastomer or elastic polymers used as uh, insulators in electronics, cars, and more. Now, it may very well be under the radar, but hey, did you know that the global market for elastomeric foam is set to reach? billion US dollars by the end of 2027, according to a report by Fortune Business Insights. Now, that's a compound annual growth rate of 6.8% during the forecast period of 2020 to 2027. So quite a bit of money in this arena, and that's why we are going to give you an inside look into a family-based manufacturer called Armstrong Asia, which started in 1974 and has since opened 16 factories in seven countries. Now, the company serves mainly OEM customers in a number of sectors with big names, including Mercedes-Benz, Sony, and Panasonic on their client list. But what are the challenges and opportunities in the manufacturing sector amid rising business costs? And how is the company positioning itself for the future? Now, for more, let's speak to Phyllis Ong, Group Chief Executive Officer at Armstrong Asia. Well, Phyllis, welcome to the show. Hi. Hi,
1: Tintian. How are you? Thank you for inviting me.
0: It's so exciting as such a niche industry here. So before we get started, elastomers, foams, that can be a business that is... Very hard to understand for the man in the street. So appreciate if you could share with us more about Armstrong Asia, your value proposition and your business model.
1: So uh, for Armstrong, what we really do uh, is to really look at the area of noise, vibration, heat and safety ceiling um, proposition. So what it really means is that between the metal and the plastic and the electronics and electricals, there tend to be imperfection. Just taking a a simple example of, let's say, a water bottle, right? You could have the best material. You can even use titanium if you want, if not steel. But if you do not have a rubber ceiling, the water is going to leak. So Mm -hmm. if you take that into a car or you take that into a mobile phone or a vacuum cleaner, you have a lot of noise, vibration, heat and ceiling requirement. So in order to fulfill these kind of um, technical requirements, The best materials would be generally foam, as well as uh, rubber elastoma and some film. And so we are in really the business of noise, vibration, heat and safety management.
0: Right, and we talked about the market for elastomers earlier, Phyllis. But help us understand how is the industry landscape like in this space? Is it mainly made up of MNCs or family businesses? And what is Armstrong Asia's positioning
1: in this regard? Well, in in reality, right, the the market that you have uh, described, I think it's only part of the entire market. The real market for foam film and elastomers, we are talking about at least a hundred billion US dollars per year. Uh, but most of it would be in the area of building and construction. Ah, okay. You know, as well as even mattress. A lot of PU foam, they'll be ap- applied for that. But the market that Armstrong uh, is sure operating in will be what we call the technical uh, foam business, where we customise solutions uh, for, for the OEMs, not so much for the construction and for the bathing and the mattress kind of solution. So in this area, actually, there's a lot of opportunity. The overall market, I think, you know, the numbers are in terms of growth rate are not far off from yours. We are looking at a CAGR of also about 5% globally, because, you know, as uh, in, in most markets, there are more and more requirements for comfort and as products get more powerful, smaller, and um, that there, there are more heat, no, noise, you know, vibration, as well as safety uh, related functions that you require. So generally, this whole industry is moving, you know, for decades, right, in a pretty steady manner of plus minus 5% a year. It, it is uh, definitely growing. Mm.
0: And is it mostly made up of MNCs in this arena or is it mostly um, smaller family-based businesses or larger but family-based businesses?
1: Mm, we are uh, probably competing with m- about more than 90% of local SMEs and then 5 to 10% of MNCs. So in every market that we go we are fighting with dozens of local SMEs. So this is uh, what makes us unique. Can you imagine that you are competing with so many local players in Singapore, Malaysia, China, Thailand, Philippines, Indonesia, mm. Vietnam and they are all hungry, right? So you're fighting with all the entrepreneurs, <laughs> all the hawkers, right? And then at the same time we are you know we are not we we we, we are not having like hawkers everywhere. So how do you fight with Thaukes who are so hungry, so aggressive and they are technically competent themselves? So this is really where I think it's our our unique proposition to be able to have um, Armstrong across seven countries, 16 factories and having employees who've been with the company for an average about 20 years who know the business and fight with Thaukes.
0: Okay, I want to zoom in on fighting with Thaukes, Phyllis, or fighting (laughs) with big bosses. Uh, What would you say... Is the number one trend influencing the manufacturing sector that you are in, particularly for the manufacturing of foam and polymers? And how does that affect uh, the way you take your business forward?
1: I think one of the biggest global trend today is the directive and requirement for green and sustainable practices and you know uh, materials. So, you know, for our kind of materials, which is generally synthetic, the trend is that all the OEMs right now, I mean, when I meet up with people from Bosch, BMW, Mercedes-Benz, Dyson, they are all asking for greener materials, more sustainable. You know, how do you waste less? How do you start to track your carbon footprint? So I think um, this kind of trend changed the way that uh, downstream people like Armstrong and even our suppliers need to respond. So we are also moving in the directive where it impacts our sourcing How do you start to measure waste? Can we ask the suppliers to start to co-develop more bio kind of uh, material with us? But as you know, plastics are not easy to just change immediately. And we work closely with our suppliers to be able to start saying, hey, I know it cannot be 100% green. Can we do 20% first? Because our products, can you imagine in the car, you do not want a, a biodegradable material that breaks down after two years. Right, you cannot afford that. So it's Mm. not quite the same as let's say like packaging for for F and B. We need to make sure that you balance the sustainability requirement, but you also need to balance the technical requirement for that kind of product that we are serving.
0: Right, and speaking of that particular balance, we are seeing some global headwinds as well. Uh, China's reopening after that three-year lockdown. How have all of that weighed on demand for elastomers this year? What are you seeing right now?
1: Mm, the general uh, raw material uh, volatility created a big problem for us, especially for last year. So last year, I've got materials that went up 30 to 50%. And the problem is that, you know, the customers are not ready to accept 30 to 50% price increase. Uh, and, and so our profit margin has been affected, unfortunately most customers especially international customers we explain to them when we negotiate with them i think many of them uh, also agreed to eventual price adjustments so i think those things are inevitable so it means that we need to we need to manage our customers and suppliers we also need to be able to talk to our internal uh, sales and engineering team so that they can also improve their negotiation skills I would say the raw material volatility is a, is a very big hit. And I think even this year, we expect to continue to see that. Then in the case of China, uh, thank goodness. Actually, last year, we managed to have a quite a stable overall outcome despite the all the, the economic and, and global challenges. At, and last year, China still has not opened up. So the good thing is that because we are in nine locations in China, so sometimes bmw is okay mercedes-benz is not so okay then sometimes mercedes-benz is okay but then uh, toyota is not so okay so they take turn right and in the end it, it turned out to be okay we're able to kind of uh is a mixed bag we're overall able to stabilize
0: now hmm. uh, let's wrap up by talking about uh, specifically about Armstrong Asia as a family-based business in Singapore. What are the biggest opportunities and challenges for you in 2023?
1: I think as uh, we we believe that this year uh, costs may not go down, but it overall should be quite stable. But the demand for the first quarter one and quarter two still looks very very uncertain. All the international customers and peers that I speak to are projecting that the first half will be pretty much a wild card, but second half should be overall stable. The opportunity for us is that as a regional company who is serving international and regional cu- uh, customers, we believe that the future belongs to those that push themselves to innovate and, and drive this kind of uh, overseas growth because the Singapore market is small. Less than 5% of business is from Singapore, 95% are all overseas. So, uh, having grown since the 80s to go regional, um, I think we are able to uh, have enough experience and also enough stable talent in our company to continue to attract new talents to also join us and I think pivot forward now. And we are actively driving digital transformation as well as people transformation. So these are the opportunities we see being Part of I'll say, uh, uh, you know, when, whenever my our customers or suppliers know that we are Singapore-based company, there's a lot of goodwill from just being a Singapore company, and I think a lot of Singapore companies need to leverage on this fact to grow further.
0: Mm. And I think that's one point that we might have missed out early on in this conversation is we talked about the number of factories you have uh, around the world, but we did not talk about which are the particular geographical markets you are in. So. Um, appreciate if you could get us up to speed on that and also what are your immediate plans for this year where do you intend to expand into maybe in terms of markets
1: so uh, half of Armstrong's business is in China where we have uh, eight factories and uh, one sales office near Shanghai and the other eight factories are in Southeast Asia so we have three in Malaysia we have two in Thailand and then also Indonesia Vietnam and Philippines Um, increasingly you know, like twenty years ago, we have customers moving from business in Malaysia to China. Then ten years ago, they go from China to maybe even Vietnam and Indonesia, and then now they may come back to Malaysia. So what we see is that the way that um, the customers are operating, due to tax benefit and uh, you know able to procure the right talents and etc., they are moving around Asia. But overall, Asia still is very attractive. So. Uh, my my view is that um, Armstrong strategy will continue to anchor ourselves to be the best in our business for any customers that are that want to you know, produce and manufacture in Asia.
0: Right. And uh, before we let you go, Felice, it's International Women's Day week and we want to pose this question to you. How is it like for you to enter into the manufacturing industry, which is, um, well, to the men in the street considered to be an sort of like older or a more male-dominated industry? And in what way have women provided alternative views as to how such businesses should be run?
1: okay this is very interesting right um i i used to before i joined the family business i used to come from the fmcg beauty care industry where you know eight or nine are, out of ten are female right so manufacturing especially for armstrong where half are automotive the other half are consumer electronics and medical and all that is the exact opposite so but what i i can see you know in a very positive way is that as the world progresses to become more open and collaborative I think women have more opportunities to step up and utilize qualities like being nurturing empathetic sensitive supportive and and warm and in some way like it or not less prideful compared to men right and i think these qualities are you know in the past were probably regarded as a sign of weakness in a male dominated environment but in today's world having these qualities allow and support that kind of collaborative environment so uh, very often, I find myself, you know, um, being the rare one in the room. But we we are able to add our own value to the table. And I also find that today's men are also more open to hearing from women, you know, and especially as progressive leaders, a lot of the male are, are also keen to hear another kind of uh, perspective to add on to eventually finding the best outcome. And the important thing, I, I would say, an able you know women to do better it's also digitalization where it allows women to develop their career and uh, interests due to the possibilities that digitalization has supported so that you can have all types of work arrangements so i'm very excited being you know a, a female leader in this day and age and i look forward to having more and more female right uh, to join The leadership panel, yeah.
0: Mm, Exciting days indeed. Thanks very much, Phyllis. That was Phyllis Ong, Group Chief Executive Officer at Armstrong Asia. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM eighty nine point three. Before acting on the information on Money FM,
1: please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.